The material contained in the following program is designed for informational purposes only. It is not intended to replace existing training policies or guidelines of individual law enforcement agencies. This is Stuff You Never Ever Learned at the Academy from In the Line of Duty. Hello, I'm Ron Barber. I'm calling this Stuff You Never Ever Learned at the Academy because that's what this podcast is all about. It was not Shakespeare who said, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. However, when it comes to getting the COVID vaccine or not, that quote beats anything old Will ever uttered. For it is so true. Everybody's got an opinion whether or not to get vaccinated. So whom do you believe? After cutting through all the bluster, hype, propaganda, and obfuscation, we decided to go with Dr. Andrew Dennis. Andrew is the head trauma surgeon at Chicago's busiest trauma hospital. He is also a cop, a member of two Northern Illinois SWAT teams, and medical director for the Illinois State Police. He was the technical director for NBC TV's Chicago Med, and he is a technical advisor for In the Line of Duty. I wanted to get Andrew's thoughts about the fact that a sizable number of law enforcement officers to date have chosen not to get the vaccination, to which he responded that both he and his wife, who is also a doctor, were among the first to roll up their sleeves and get jabbed. My arm was the first one out, as so was my wife's. You know, look, I mean... In, a different, in addition to my law enforcement job, I mean, I'm a trauma surgeon and I'm taking care of highly, you know, positive, you know, all kinds of patients and a lot of them are positive. So my existence was, has been in an N95 mask since this all started. I think we all saw the vaccination as a means to liberation from, uh, from this. Also, it was, it's a means to increasing your safety, your personal safety and the safety of the people around you. The vaccine by no means is a panacea. It's not going to cure for anything. What it does is I think you, you really have to think about it like body armor. You can wear it or you can not wear it. You can get the vaccine or you can not get the vaccine. If you get the vaccine, it offers you individually a high degree, actually a very high degree of protection from the virus. Does it eliminate the virus or eliminate you from contracting COVID? It does not. But what it does is um, gives you over 95% protection from getting deathly ill from the virus. And the problem with this whole virus and what's been really the, the most challenging thing to deal with from the medical world is that it's been highly elusive as to who is at risk and who's not. So it's like a Russian roulette every day with getting exposed. You might be the one with the loaded chamber who, who gets really sick and potentially dies or has a stroke because you know, five out of six people that get COVID that are really sick have neurologic problems associated with it, not just the pneumonia and the, the you know, the overall flu type of thing. So in my mind, you know, and in, in her mind as well, we look at, at the vaccine as a means of protecting ourselves 
and our family because we come home every day. And, you know, I wanted to hug my parents again, as did she. And when our parents got vaccinated and we got vaccinated, we know that the risk of transmission is very low. At the end, the end of all of this, the goal is that if COVID-19 becomes, becomes the equivalent of the risk of a common cold, because it's here for, to stay, it's not going anywhere, it's now endemic. The goal is to mute the risk and to reduce, you know, mute or reduce the risk. And the vaccine does that. It doesn't say you're not going to get it. It doesn't say you're, you're not going to get potentially even a little ill from it. But what it does is if you do get it, the probability of you dying or getting deathly ill or getting stroke or neurologic symptoms from it is very, very, very low. All right, let's talk adverse reactions, Andrew. Any vaccine or any medication is always going to carry with it the risk of allergic reactions, the risk of sensitivities, rashes, et cetera. So we braced for that. That was part of the vaccination process when we did it and when everyone else does it as well, is that you expect a very small percentage of people to get a rash or have some sort of allergic reaction to whatever protein the thing is carried in or the, you know, whatever. So you, you, you accept that. And those are very small numbers. And those exist with all vaccinations and even, you know, Tylenol and not Motrin too, you know? So that's, that's just the way it is. And that's the way the human body and the human genome works. The biggest complaint that people had, and it was about 15 to 20% of people that got the vaccine, either after the first one or after the second one, felt ill. And when I mean ill, they kind of felt like they had the flu. And it was usually no more than 48 hours, usually self-limited to 24 hours. It was really split as to whether people got that feeling after the first shot or after the second shot. And of total, it was really only about 15 to 20% that even had any negative effects from, from being vaccinated. Andrew, isn't it true that the overwhelming majority of directly attributable COVID deaths have been patients in their early 80s who have had comorbidities such as heart and weight issues? I'm not going to dispute. Here's the, here, there are two things I think that you have to recognize. One is the data is really dirty. And by that, I mean, there's been a lot of politics associated with the numbers. I don't really think we have a great handle on the risk associated with COVID as far as the death risk. What I think we do know is, and I can tell you a test this firsthand is, I've seen some of the most tragic deaths in younger people. And I mean, like I'm calling 60s young, okay? 50s young. Some of the most tragic, miserable deaths I've seen have been from COVID and COVID alone from this in that age group. So yes, of course, there, there will be a trend towards the older comorbid people, but this virus has been very indiscriminate. And what we don't really understand is who is the at-risk group? And if you want to live and die by statistics, great, you can do that. But if you're the one person that that statistically falls out and you're 50 or 40 and you get the virus and you die from it, well, then you died from something that was probably preventable had you gotten vaccinated against it. It's like having a tourniquet, right? I mean, the probability of you needing a tourniquet is really low, but if you don't have it and you need it and you die from it, then all the statistics mean nothing. I just don't know who's, who are the at-risk people and who aren't. You can, choose, you, can get out of your, you can go to work and you can say, well, I got a pretty easy, you know, patrol gig or I'm a detective. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on the street very much. 
So I'm not going to put my armor on today. I got it. It'll stay in the trunk, you know? And then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, confronted with being, with having to act as the police right now. And you're not wearing your body armor. Again, it's a preparation thing in my mind. You know, you can, you can take it or you can leave it. It is a personal choice. Andrew, you understand, though, that there's a, a level of mistrust in government decrees and alleged facts and figures. Is there a distrust? Yeah, of course there is. I think the question you have to ask yourself, if you don't want to protect yourself, cool, like, that's fine. But just remember, you know, if you don't protect yourself and your parents did not get vaccinated and you give this virus to your parents who are that high-risk comorbid group, it would really suck to be the person that killed your mom. Again, you can look at the statistics. You have to recognize that the data is very dirty. I agree with that. I don't trust a lot of what I hear or read either, but I do read everything as far as the literature comes out. It is science in evolution. Science is imperfect as it is. Medicine is more art than it is science, I'll tell you. Um, but when the science speaks, you've got to listen to it you know, because it's best evidence-based. It may not be perfect evidence-based, but it is best evidence-based. We know the virus is largely transmitted, not necessarily by touch and contact anymore, so you don't have to wipe down your groceries because we didn't know, so we took the most conservative road. You know, now we know that it's really, really probable to be exposed by droplets and not by contact. We know that hand-washing still helps. Look, we know the flu dropped off too, right? So, So we've Moved to evidence-based, best, I should say best evidence-based. I don't want to call it great evidence-based, but it's situationally best evidence-based uh, decision-making. And that evidence will get better and better as time goes on. Everyone just has to kind of sit back and be patient. And this is not a patient nation, as you know, I know. The science is catching up with this. We're learning what we can get away with, what we can't. We're learning, you know, when we can take our masks off, when we can't. We know that now the probability of the best evidence says that if you're with another vaccinated person, you know, you're in the 0. 0.0 single digits risk of getting the virus. And even if you did transmit it, the risk of getting sick is even lower. You know, with regards to the virus or to the vaccine, this is not new technology, but it is technology in evolution, just like anything else. It's safe. It's been shown to be safe 10, 12 years ago, but you know, we'll learn more as we use it. But, you know, I still will subscribe to the, fact, the risk of getting sick. If you are one of the unlucky ones that gets sick from this virus, far outweighs the risk of getting vaccinated with any of the COVID vaccines. Andrew, there are all kinds of concerns people have, and the vast majority of us don't know whether it's voodoo or substantive. What about the claim by some anti-vaxxers that the vaccination literally changes one's DNA. They do not. The vaccines do not alter your DNA. So why do some people think that it does alter DNA? Matt, they do not modify your DNA. The vaccine does not even get into the cell nucleus where your DNA is housed. It doesn't, it's not how it works. So it doesn't get anywhere near your cell nucleus. It goes right to the ribosome and it tells ribosomes to make, it gives them the mRNA, it gives them the roadmap, and it says, make this protein. That's all it does. It goes to the manufacturing side of the cell, not the genetic side of the cell. Or that the vaccines may alter women's fertility, menstrual cycles, 
and ability of blood to clot. I don't know that any of that data has actually been supported. Honestly, there's a lot of anecdotal information out there. I don't think you, I think you got to be very careful. You have, these things have to be tracked and watched. Think about when we released Taser. You know, Taser was one of my early research projects for decades. You know, Taser's, you know, all the safety data in Taser, for example, was based on pigs. Yet we moved it right to humans and it's called it safe based on pig safety data. And when in fact, when we started looking at it, we realized that, you know, Taser can kill you. It can capture the rhythm of your heart. And which was completely disputed early on because that information was not shown in the early safety data, was not necessarily focused on. It was there. And then when we went to look at, you know, when in my studies, when we looked at, at tasers and we used the same pigs, you know, we were told, well, it doesn't matter because it's been used, you know, you can tase any more, as many pigs as you want. We've, we've, we've tased, uh, you know, 200,000 humans and, you know, only two died. So we're good. So the safety data prevails. You know, there's always, a, there's always a direction you can look at information from. It depends on what your bias is. There's always going to be a bias. Bottom line is we have injected thousands upon thousands upon actually millions of people now with the, with the vaccines. And the risk pattern associated with this vaccine, the reported and the factual risks are, are so low, yet the risk of getting, this, of getting sick and dying is, is, even though it's ultimately low for younger people, depending on the age bracket you are, again, there are lots of young people that have it. And so statistics only matter, again, until it's you. And then the statistics didn't really matter. Andrew, I noted that seven New York Yankees tested positive for COVID, although all of them had been fully vaccinated. It's not going to prevent you from getting COVID. It's not what it's intended to do. It's intended to keep you alive if you get COVID, okay? It's intended to blunt the, the effects of the virus if you get, if you get the virus. That's what, the, that's what it's intended to do. So yes, as far as the Yankees went, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. I found your point about the flu this last season being largely non-existent a very interesting one. What else did we learn? We learned that no one has gotten the flu this year, right? Think about that. Now, there's two reasons why that, that has happened. The first is that we're washing our hands and we're wearing masks and the, we didn't give the flu a chance to spread. The other reason that, that we didn't see a big uptake in the flu is because there's something called viral inhibition. And typically organisms do not or cannot get infected with more than two virus, more than one virus at a time. So if you're typically fighting off one, your immune system is so primed and so armed at that point in time that the second virus typically can't get a hold in order to infect you. So it's when you kind of de-escalate your immune system and you go back down to DEFCON, you know, five, that's when you tend to get, be, become more susceptible to, the, to other viruses. So flu, for the people that were sick or were fighting COVID, you know, there aren't, they were so primed from a passive immune system perspective that the flu didn't have a fighting chance. Add to that the masking and the hand washing, and we really almost eliminated flu this year. I'm sure we'll come back with a vengeance next year. Years ago, the popular TV program was the $64,000 question. So let's update that to the $64 million question. Do you think there is anyone who should not be vaccinated? I actually don't know that I would recommend someone not getting vaccinated. 
American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have taken a very firm stance that pregnant women, breastfeeding women should get vaccinated. Immunosuppressed people, which you would think would be the most at risk, are, are the ones that we do want vaccinated because they're the ones that are at risk for, for getting sick if you do need it. So no, I don't, I, I would, right now our recommendations are if you can get vaccinated, you should get vaccinated. Children, should they be vaccinated? 100%. We know happily and, and for good reasons that children rarely get very sick from this virus. They have, there have been very sick children from COVID, but they're few and far between. But we also know that children may are more frequently asymptomatic carriers of the virus and can therefore transmit the virus. And if they transmit it to someone who is not vaccinated, because we have a large population of this country that is not vaccinated, that child can kill their grandparents. You know, the more people we get vaccinated, the better. And I don't see, or and the medical community does not see a reason not to vaccinate kids. We have not been vaccinating kids largely because they've been the, the they're the last group to have best evidence safety data come out. So Pfizer just got approved based on you know a few thousand kids that got vaccinated that had little to no side effects. Um, so they got the emergency use authorization. Uh, I want my kids to be able to see their grandparents safely. Andrew, you were a main reason that the Illinois State Police were given an early opportunity to get vaccinated. How did that work out? State Police, um, in December through uh, beginning of March, the Illinois State Police, we ran an operation called Operation Blue Needle. And the Illinois State Police says, to my knowledge, the only law enforcement agency that stepped up that ran our own vaccination site for first responders and first responder families. And we injected, we did over 32,000 shots in eight weeks for our agency and for everyone's parents and family that wanted it, that who were 1B, because we were restricted to 1B at the time. Well, at the time, um, you know, early in the, when vaccinations were still hard to get, um, ISP, because we are a medical bureau, we were able to uh, work with IDPH and we were able to unburden all the local departments of health and, uh, and take on vaccinating statewide law enforcement. So we put the call out and said, we opened two vaccination sites around the state. And we basically said to every cop and, and the state, you can bring yourself and you can bring your family who are 1B, which were 65 years and older at the time, or family members with comorbidities. We did 16,000 sets of shots, you know, total shots in eight weeks, which is a total of 32,000 individual shots. No, it wasn't mandatory. It was purely elective, um, but it saved, it, it, what it does, you know, law enforcement was largely orphaned in the early COVID vaccination world because EMS had places to go, um, but the police really didn't they were really remanded to kind of getting in line with the rest of the 65-year-old 1B group. So we decided that as the state police and as the safety net law enforcement agency for the state of Illinois, uh, we would vaccinate all of our state, federal, and local law enforcement as an agency. So we, we set up these massive vaccination sites and uh, two of them around the state. And, you know, we're the only law, I mean, it's not our wheelhouse. We're a police department, but yet we still vaccinated, you know, did 32,000 vaccines. What we found was actually once we started rolling through and doing the vaccinations, uh, we ended up at 50, almost 
of our agency vaccinated. So once people realized that it was safe and their peers were getting it and no one grew, you know, lizard tails and, and all the, 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 the fiction was kind of defeated and people were able to get on with their lives and their families, you know, were getting vaccinated. I think there was a lot of uh, peer support for each other, and which, which drove up our vaccination numbers considerably. Did the Illinois State Police lose anybody to COVID? Not directly. We lost family members. We, we, we lost several parents of troopers to COVID. It doesn't jump out at me that we've lost any primary uh, employees to COVID. I had parents in their late 50s um, that died of COVID this year. Late 50s, that's not old. So, uh, so, and we had a number of parents die terrible deaths, rapid, terrible COVID pneumonia deaths or stroke deaths that were truly related to COVID. And I can say they're truly related to COVID because I know the intimate details of the cases. Have any of these people passed away after they got the vaccination? No. Andrew, I find your comparison to the polio vaccine of the 1950s very telling. This is the first time in decades we've had a technology boom in infectious disease. You know, prior to that, we, we, the last one we had was really probably polio. And thank God most of the country subscribed to getting the polio because the vaccine, because, you know, most people didn't die from polio, but they were, they were terribly, terribly maimed from polio. So I think that was a big nidus and a big stimulus for people to get vaccinated. Here, you know, people either die and get miserably sick. We've had patients. I have, I have two friends whose parents have had massive strokes from COVID. They were healthy, 60-year-old people, early 60s. And two of them are massively stroked out because, because they got COVID and they had, a, they had a, a COVID response to that. It's a risk-based analysis. Everyone has to make their own risk-based decision. Now, you will agree it's not fully studied and approved. Of course it's not. But again, we're in, an, we're in a best evidence. You know, we're looking for, we're building our solutions based on best evidence. And again, you, you, can, you, can, you can track the statistics and you can follow the statistics until you're the statistic. And then it's no longer a statistic anymore, right? Then it's you. So I, again, you, this is an individual thing. I would never force the vaccine upon anybody. That you have to, got to make, it's like, do you want it? You know, do you want to use birth control or not? Do you want to get vaccinated or not? Do you want to wear your body armor or not? It's your protection. If you want to get sh- if you want to risk getting shot in the chest and dying, that's on you. Now, the department may take away your pension. They may take away your workers' comp because you chose to go for the, you know take those risks. But with the vaccines, you're, you're we are in an early phase of it. That said, it is very promising all the data that we're seeing. I mean, extremely promising. Remember, the flu vaccine is 40% effective. We're seeing an effective rate of 90 plus percent with the COVID vaccines. I'll stand by anybody's decision until it impacts somebody else. And then, then I have to ask, you know, did you really do the right thing or are you just being selfish? I can't thank Dr. Dennis enough for his insightful interview and on very short notice too. Andrew invites your questions and feedback. Here's his email address. It's ajdduck at gmail.com. And his website with excellent additional information is 
policemd.com. Now, if you're seeking excellent online training that covers the gamut in law enforcement, visit lineofduty.com and simply click on the red tab to get a free trial. Thank you for listening. I'm Ron Barber, and that's stuff you never, ever learned at the Academy.